You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about classic movies. Today, we're talking about one of, is it the most influential? Maybe. One of, it's, it's an influential movie by an influential director who we have not talked about yet on this podcast. And uh, that director is Michael Bay, and that movie is Armageddon. Yes, we're going to talk about a movie about a bunch of oil guys going into space so they can drill into an asteroid. Yeah, we're going to talk about it at length. This might be one of our longest episodes. We had a lot to say about this movie. So I think we're just going to get into that. There are kind of spoilers early on, but like, do you care? If you do, you know, before the biggest ones come out, we there's a spoiler warning, but there might be some before that. So just be on the lookout. And uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to give you some Aerosmith here. Here is Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith, but not the full thing, only like 30 seconds or so of it. Here it is. Alright folks, it's time. We are not quite 50 episodes in. We're, I don't remember what number we're at. I gotta keep better track of that, but it's finally time to talk about Michael Bay. Today, we're gonna talk about one of two movies that Michael Bay has in the Criterion Collection, and I will remind you that because this movie is in the Criterion Collection, whether you agree with us or whether we agree, whether anyone agrees or not, Someone thought this is a really good movie that is worthy of like saving in the cinematic equivalent of like the Hall of Fame of cinema. So bear that in mind because we sure are, because we're going to have a serious discussion about the movie Armageddon by Michael Bay. Um, before we start talking about this movie, uh, Pierre, you want to introduce our viewers to or our listeners to Michael Bay? Anyone who doesn't already know who Michael Bay is? Yes, Michael Bay is one of the most celebrated actors, or I mean, directors in Hollywood, and not for the usual reasons. I I'd say it's because he makes some very he has a very specific style, and he creates huge blockbusters such as the Transformers movies, uh, Pain and Gain. Uh, I can't think of it. Honestly, those are all his recent movies, aren't they? Six Underground? Um, oh, Six which Underground, was a, yeah. That was a... I mean, Netflix tried to push it on me. I still haven't seen it. I know you have. I, I did. I watched... My mom loves Michael Bay, so... She, uh, I watched that it? with her. He's um, done a lot of stuff recently, actually. Like, a surprising amount. Um, give me just a minute, and I'll show you... And I'll, like, just say what he's done since, let's say, 2016. Okay, <laughs> Okay, it's not that much, maybe. Um, so he did Pain and Gain in 2013. Then he did another Transformers movie, the one with Merlin in it for some reason. Uh, then he did 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, which I remember was like oh, yeah. kind of hyped when it came out. Um, I don't remember if it was any good. Uh, I never watched it. I remember like there were a lot of opinions about it. And then he did another Transformers movie. Oh, that's the one with Merlin in 2017. Then he did Six Underground. So it actually hasn't been that many things since Pain and Gain. Yeah, he's been taking it. I He's kind of been, I think, held down by the 
trying to fix the Transformers franchise or something. I don't even know. Well, but... I think he's I think he's out of Transformers now, but he's he still now, kind yeah. of the I don't know if he's still producing it. Uh he's still basically like he has set the tone for that franchise. And so I know that whether or not he's involved, like Warner Brothers Paramount, Paramount wants him to be involved. But what I'm a little surprised about is he did Bad Boys and he did Bad Boys 2, which I have heard, I have heard that Bad Boys 2 is the quintessential Michael Bay movie. I have not seen it, but I've heard that. Uh, what I am surprised about, though, is he never, he didn't do Bad Boys 3, which came out this year. Oh, yeah. Um, so that is a little strange. I guess that was so long ago that doesn't really, and he chose to do Six Underground instead. Yeah, <laughs> oh. Oh, Insane. Bad Boys for Life. That's what it's called. Yeah, it's called Bad Boys for Life. But yeah, anyways, he's I, I think he's just really well known in Hollywood for being a great block like great blockbuster director, if not one of like like almost like the blockbuster director in terms of he he's a master of spectacle, of uh <laughs> of of portraying lots of uh like uh testosterone based films on in, in his filmography, um, he he basically made Transformers an insanely big franchise, um, and, and he's then literally killed it. Yeah, but... not even subsequently at the same time. Yeah, that too. Um, and, and he's literally yeah. known for explosions. Like you say, Michael Bay to somebody, and like they will immediately think of explosions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and he always makes his movies always make a ton of money, usually. I can't think of many that that didn't. So, um, yeah. Anyways, he's he's quite the presence in Hollywood, and this is the movie we're talking about today. Armageddon is one of uh, his. Sorry, real quick. Uh, Thirteen hours was barely profitable, if it was profitable at all. Oh wow. Okay. I guess that was quite quite a big change in the type of movies he was trying to make. He's been honestly, make, that so. might have been a passion project for him. Yeah. Which like Michael Bay doesn't do a lot of passion projects. Even Armageddon was like a JJ Abrams thing. Yeah, we're gonna talk about JJ Abrams here. We get to blame <laughs> shit on JJ Abrams, which I love uh, doing. Yeah, it's quite the frequent topic of conversation for me. Um but yeah, this this movie is quite crazy. You wanna talk about the plot? Yeah, just I guess so I'm just gonna point out on this show, we have talked about a Pixar movie featuring elves in a fantasy world. Armageddon is the most unrealistic movie we've ever talked about. Uh, this far. is so. This is a movie about an asteroid is heading for Earth, and it's the size of Texas. So if it hits Earth, it's going to wipe out everything on Earth. Doesn't even matter where it goes. Like they anticipate, it's going to fall into the Pacific Ocean. And what's going to happen is it's going to boil away a bunch of the water. And it's going to hit the the floor of the Pacific Ocean, and anyone who doesn't die in the blast, which is going to be most of Asia and North America, they're going to die in the blast. Everyone else is going to like die in a nuclear winter. Uh, that part is, you know, realistic. If there is actually an if there is actually an asteroid heading towards us, that it would destroy us like that. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> the movie even starts out with like tennis ball sized meteorites like falling into New York City and actually destroying New York City. Um, so anyway, NASA decides that in order to destroy this asteroid, what they have to do is they have to get the best oil driller on the planet and send him to the asteroid with an oil drill so they can drill into the exact center of the asteroid, uh, put a nuclear bomb in there, 
and split the asteroid in two so it'll miss the Earth by a few miles and then just pass on by, which is maybe the stupidest plan I've ever heard of. Uh, And beyond that, if that is their plan, it's really strange, and I think Ben Affleck points this out in his commentary, that like they choose to employ the oil drillers and train them to be astronauts rather than training astronauts to be the oil drillers. And like they make a big point of it at one point in the early in the movie where they are actually trying to train the astronauts to be oil drillers but you know they just don't feel it man they haven't they haven't worked in the oil fields for they haven't worked in oil for 30 years so they don't know what they're doing but like somehow these oil the the, the guys who have worked in oil for 30 years can just real quick become become astronauts in 18 days I don't buy it I know they did have a NASA consultant on this movie. So maybe like I'm giving this movie too much flack, but I don't know what he was doing or if Michael Bay was just ignoring him or what was going on. Cause it, this movie feels insane. I mean, it's insane anyway, but like, I don't think anything in this movie makes that much sense, which as we're going to get to is part of the point. Yeah. It's, I think it's really part of the genius of Michael Bay. He's able to take such a stupid concept and is still able to actually make quite the or a relatively entertaining blockbuster from it. Uh, Part of the, it, maybe the biggest thing about this <clears throat> is that this movie it feels like it's not even about that plot. I don't. I guess I don't want to give away too much of how I structured this episode later on. But like Michael Bay doesn't seem to care about the plot that he's set up it's much more important to him to focus on the characters who are at the very least fully developed. I'm not going to necessarily say well-developed all the time, but they are full characters. And I feel like he cares way more about them than the entire fate of humanity as he set it up. Yeah, I he, he does honestly make quite a few attempts at getting some character development in. It's pretty stereotypical to his movies. Um, but like, I guess I respect it, you know, like Michael Bay, he's not just going to throw a a bunch of stupid nonsense on the screen, even though that's exactly what he does. But he, he, he adds in this inch, uh, well, not really interesting, but he does, he does insert a father, daughter, boyfriend, uh, relationship dynamic in this, which he seems to like because it's very similar to what he does in Transformers 4, I think. The similar, Age of yeah. Extinction. Oh, um, 4. Where, I haven't seen that one. Oh, well, it's where uh, this, where the, the father the father is dealing with the fact that his his daughter who is um, is dating another man and he's he's dealing with learning to let go of, of her emotionally, I guess. Mm. So, um, and that's exactly what, uh, we have the young, a young Ben Affleck in this movie stealing away Liv Tyler, who is Bruce Willis's daughter. Which, uh, just real quick, great to see Liv Tyler again. She's back from our rain, from our rain over me episode. Yeah, she is back. I, unfortunately, I mean, this is kind of common in Michael Bay movies, I guess, but as a female character, she has very, very, very little to do in this movie. Um, I feel yeah. kind of bad for her, but she was given third billing, so she was paid a ton of money to basically be on set for what looked like a week or something, maybe two weeks. 
I don't know. She was like, in she was in a lot of scenes, so I mean nothing you couldn't do in two weeks, but yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, but also like there were actually quite a few uh, cool uh characters to see that I actually notice um or I recognize them from other movies that Michael Bay made, like Steve Buscemi was also in the island. Um and lots of Transformers movies, though maybe only as a voice role. He was, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. That's crazy. And I honestly, I love Steve Buscemi. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a role where I didn't like him in. And even, I actually think he really fits Michael Bay's style really well. Just oh, because definitely. He's such. I think he's the he. He feels like the the epitome of what Michael likes to to write, and that he's like this sleazy douchebag that kind of means well and that seems to be his go-to for writing and also and also happens to be just like deus ex machina smart like anytime someone needs to figure out something steve buscemi just comes in with like a random extremely good explanation and is like you idiot (laughs) yeah i i feel like michael bay kind of sees himself in these characters and like in a character like that um, Mm -hmm. which i find kind of funny but yeah, like he—he's always a treat to see. Uh, I'm trying to think of the like. Honestly, the side characters were all right. I, Michael Bay usually actually does a pretty good job of of making like at least pretty fun, funny male side characters. Um, even though they have no personalities, he he really loves to bring out the extremely like raw. I want to say like masculine based humor that like it feels really sexist in terms of the way like these men treat women and then also how he portrays these men in general like all all the men in his movies are these hormone based like they all want to have sex they're all trying to outsmart each other all the time they all want to like prove they're the alpha male and uh but surprisingly like like, it's not as annoying as it, it could it could be yeah yeah Definitely, actually. Yeah, he um, does a decent job of it. Yeah, it still feels like, you know, I guess as annoying as it could be would be Liv Tyler and the other female characters of which there are, I believe, one or two uh, are not even good characters. That's as bad as it could be. And like Liv Tyler is actually great in this movie. She's not in it for very much, but like her and the other female character are awesome. They're just not really in it because it's not about women. This is a movie about guys. <laughs> about men, yeah. <laughs> Which maybe is for the best because I've seen Michael Bay's female characters and they're not also really very well written at all um, for the most part. But uh, yeah, like he he does a pretty good job. I, I honestly think they had a decent amount of chemistry. Oh, Owen Wilson was in this movie. I couldn't believe yeah. that actually. That was That really bizarre. surprised me. And he honestly didn't have much to do from what I could tell. Uh, just in terms, like he had a relatively small role. Because when, when I see Owen Wilson, I expect at least, because I, I believe he was pretty famous around this time, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, um, I mean, it's 98. So maybe the, I don't think he was as big as he got because like he was just starting with uh, Wes Anderson at this point. Yeah, I guess. But um, I was expecting him to have a much higher billing or slash bigger role, especially compared Mm to, I don't know, Ben Affleck or something. Because Ben Affleck, I think, was just starting. I think he released... uh, Goodwill Hunting came out around the same time. Yeah. I don't know if if it was already out. Yeah, so he was kind of an odd sight to see, but it was was nice. Uh, I will say I I really like Ben Affleck 
surprisingly. Um, I actually thought he was pretty charismatic in this movie, and I don't usually like Ben Affleck. Um, and I, I couldn't tell you really why. I just, I guess I loved his youthful enthusiasm, and maybe it's because it feels like he kind of realizes how ridiculous this movie is while he's acting in it. I don't know why. It might be because, like, I, I read, I heard his commentary as well. On yeah. It, but I, I and- do get this sense of, like, he's this guy one character in the movie that's like why is everyone acting so stupid okay so i won't come out and say ben affleck doesn't get this movie because he's in it he definitely gets what's going on but like ben affleck is a very ben affleck is like a very story guy like if you've seen the movies that he's directed and the movies that he's written like he writes the stories and he's very interested in the writing where like you know, if you make a movie that's got bad writing, of course he's going to hate it. And this movie has not great writing. So I am not surprised in the least that Ben Affleck doesn't like this movie. At least from his commentary, it sounds like he does not like this movie. And as he's, and like, as he's doing it, as you're saying, like he, he seems like he just kind of thinks everything is ridiculous, which like he probably does. Yeah. And this is like in stark contrast to, to Bruce Willis, who he's sharing the screen with a lot of the time. Um, Bruce Willis loves what he's doing. I I honestly didn't love him in this movie because I thought he was a very odd... He he wasn't very charismatic. I mean, it's Bruce Willis. I don't know what I expected, but... um, But, like, this is the most fun I've seen Bruce Willis have in a movie since Die Hard and never again. Like, That's true. <laughs> I've never seen Bruce Willis be passionate about anything. Uh, Wes Anderson really. movies as well. Really? Bruce Willis? I, He's not even I in thought, those, isn't, he? isn't he? I thought he was in Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, yeah, he was. I guess um, he was. Which the, I actually yeah, really liked him in that. that. But yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, I guess he did have a, like, after seeing him in the a Glass, uh, directed by. And the Lego Mr. movie, Shyamalan. too. Yeah, he, he just. It, it's, like the Lego movie even made a joke about how Bruce Willis care. doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's nice to see him uh, care about a role, but also it just felt very odd. He felt very out of place because they're not out of place. I guess it's just in conscious. It's just like, it's such a stupid movie and you have all these characters that act so silly yet. Bruce Willis is this surprisingly like very mature, stern person, at least from what I could tell. And he's he, he's he's like very much the centerfold of the whole movie, but also he feels the most out of place of any character. Yeah, because like even Billy Bob Thornton, who is very serious in this movie, in his role in this movie, he's basically I don't remember exactly what he is, but he's more or less the director a, of NASA. Yeah. Um, But like he's serious and he plays a very serious role. And he's like one of the only roles in this movie that it makes sense for him to be serious when everyone else is a silly cartoon character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and honestly, he, I think Billy Bob Thornton also, I could see him smiling kind of a couple times and like, oh, yeah. I mean, He's... that might've been his character, but he also kind of was like, he was playing it a little aloof. Like he was in on the joke. It was like, everyone was in on the Michael Bay joke, except for Bruce Willis. Who's like, who was just like... having the time of his life, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm starring in this movie as an as an action hero that saves the world. Like, uh, it's a very serious role. Whereas everyone else is just like, what the fuck is going on? Um, but at least he cared. But 
uh yeah like honestly like a pretty good cast um yeah incredible cast i would say what what did you think of the the length of this movie um i because i thought it was surprisingly slow um even though i know michael bay loves seems to love his long movies especially at this point in his life uh this movie was super weird in how long it was like i don't know why this movie had to be two and a half hours and yet like i didn't mind it that much um i thought it was pretty it was decently paced like um it was very clear like it had very clear acts which you know that's not a surprising thing for a movie necessarily but like if you have a three hour long if you have a two and a half hour long movie and it's not really and it's just sort of going that's a very different vibe from when you have like very clear sections and i felt like this had very clear sections that paced themselves well um i guess it, uh, heist movies like because this 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 basically was a heist movie even though i, I think it was i didn't trying even not think about be. it like that that makes um sense. yeah it heist movies usually have an odd pacing because the the i'd say the third act is usually insanely long so, and i do believe the third act was over long here as well yeah but even like i i don't even know how to say it but anyways the 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 lead up to it i th- it's like i think they go into space about an hour and 10 minutes in or something like that it's pretty late in the that. movie a little more um but either way like i th- i think the amount of character development that we could have gotten is completely wasted based because of i don't even know where the movie spends a lot of its time i can't think of it off the top of my head but uh cuz the characters are relatively one dimensional and I would have assumed that like usually in a heist movie you're you're dedicating a lot of time in the first bit for training and then also for to make all of these characters relatable so as much as possible so that whatever happens to them in the third act has meaning because you you really have no room for character development when the heist is going on but it's just um I yeah there wasn't really much to develop and also the training wasn't too much of a highlight I don't entirely understand. They might have wanted to skip over it a lot because, again, like training oil drillers to go to to go to space and drill a, a hole on an asteroid might is probably going to take more than twelve days to do. But I I guess I didn't. I wish I saw more of them hanging out at NASA and learning to work as a team. Maybe maybe if they had less connection before they became a team in the first place would have been nice. But um either way like because yeah a lot of the characters were aside characters had very very little development and even the main characters had little development too so this may sound like i'm sideswiping but you just mentioned something that uh makes me kind of want to take charge here for a minute i think that the second act is the main part of this movie the second act is the training part of this movie and um i guess a little behind the scenes here I took two pages of notes while I was watching this movie. I took a page and a half of them during the second act. Uh, oh, wow. I think we can learn. So this is part of what I wanted to get to when in, in this discussion. I think we can learn a lot about Michael Bay as a person from this movie. And I think we can learn a lot of what we learn about Michael Bay from the second act. Because I think the second act is where most of the 
character development and or non-character development happens. Like you said, these are mostly one-dimensional characters, but they are entirely on display during the second act of the movie, the training act. There's very little that happens character development-wise um, in any respect. And it's, it's sort of weird to use that word in this case because a lot of his characters, most of these characters don't really develop, but they do have clear character traits that like are displayed. And so that's what I'm trying to say, I guess. Very little of that happens in, in Act 3, where almost all of it happens in Act 2. Because, like, for example, uh, Owen Wilson, uh, we don't even see him until we just find him on a ranch at the beginning of Act 2. And then as yeah. soon as Act 3 begins, he's not even in the movie anymore. He dies pretty much right away. Not actually right away, but, like, the second time, I think, that we see him on the moon, he's dead. So Yeah, that was a very odd choice for me um just because I, again i was so surprised owen wilson was taken out so early but yeah anyways keep going so i guess i just wanted to say like these are one-dimensional characters but like do you think that what do you what did you think of these characters i guess like i mean i'm, I'm not sure how to best ask that question just i I got to collect my thoughts. The second act is sure. fascinating for me. I'll, I'll try to I'll yeah. try to get to like where you're you're coming from. Um to me it it just it feels like each character is like symbolizing one aspect of toxic masculinity, I guess. That, and yeah, okay. Like for example, Steve Buscemi's character um keeps keeps um he's essentially like trying to be a playboy or whatever and he, he seems to have trouble with ending up with underage chicks because he's very insecure about that and um like just his his character in general is is very much like uh i don't care i just i do it for the chicks essentially right mm -hmm. i would I, I ideally i want to get laid uh slash fuck the government because i don't want to pay my i guess they were all like we don't want to pay our taxes but that's like another part of it too, where like, because they in the second act when Bruce Willis lists out their demands for, um, for, <laughs> for, for completing the mission, they had these honestly like kind of funny requests, like such as like one guy wants two of his lovers to have American citizenship, no questions asked. Uh, one dude wants like. Like they don't ask for money; they ask for these really odd requests. One dude wants like a a full ride to Vegas or something like that, or one guy wants to sleep in the Lincoln the Lincoln the Lincoln bed in the White House for a week. Um, these very odd requests that kind of symbolize like what each person goes for, and then they're all like, "Oh, also, we don't want to pay our taxes anymore," mm -hmm. um, and stuff like that. And it's just it might be because of the characters they chose. Like again, Michael Bay kind of seems to enjoy these like uh, stereotypically uh, uneducated and like really, really uh, masculine related characters. Um, and that's what I that's what I felt like each character was trying to uh, represent. There was the uh, what I can't remember his name. He was the big dude that seems to enjoy uh, the his pecs. And um, that's like another like he's very he, he's very. He's toxic masculinity. He represents like the the body, like having the biggest body and like being bigger than anyone. But also, he's like the despite that, he's the he's the sensitive type, which is kind of a stereotype in a lot of movies as well. For his is type that of character. bear Michael Clark Duncan? 
Yes, yeah, Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah, okay. He played uh, Kingpin, right? I think. I believe he did. And I also I remember him in uh, the Island from Michael Bay. He had a he had a minor supporting role in that as well. But yeah, um, did like did you do you have more thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Actually, that's that's a very good interpretation of those characters. I don't think that I necessarily I didn't interpret uh, each of those characters well. I didn't. I don't know that I put so much thought into each of those characters. But what I would say is that. I don't think Michael Bay likes any of these characters mm. um, because so the first interaction they have, it's, it's very, it was very unclear to me early on what Michael Bay, like who I was trying to figure out who does Michael Bay think is the hero in this story? Because obviously you would think it's Bruce Willis, right? But I don't know that he necessarily is for all of it. And also some of the other obvious heroes of the story aren't portrayed entirely positively. Like, so um, we've got Billy Bob Thornton, who's supposed to be like the, he's, I guess, the voice of reason at NASA or something. Like, he's the director of NASA. That's what we've already established. But like, he's supposed to be the voice of reason. Like, they find out this asteroid is coming and he goes into his office uh, with all of the eggheads uh, which I'm specifically using because, like, I feel like that's how Michael Bay sees these people, <laughs> is these people are smart, but they don't know what they're doing, even yeah. though they are the experts who have been working at this for years. So yeah. he goes into this office with all of the people at NASA that, like, have been working their entire lives to be at NASA, and he goes and, like, gets their opinions on what they think they should do about this asteroid, and every single one of these opinions, whether it's a good idea or not, I have no idea is portrayed as the stupidest thing anyone could come up with, and Billy Bob Thornton lets them know it. And he's like, no, dude, what we got to do is we got to send oil men into space to drill into this asteroid, <laughs> which is, one, a ridiculous reaction to that. But also, like, this is an idea that's presented to him by Jason Isaacs, who's supposed to be the smartest man on Earth, I guess. Uh, and then, like, when he gets Bruce Willis in to... um talk about this oil drilling thing, Bruce Willis berates him for not understanding how oil drilling works, which I guess is fair, but like not even Billy Bob Thornton, who up to this point has been like the reasonable person in this movie is immune from Michael Bay being like, no, he is also an idiot. And then all of these points, and then there's several points in the movie where just like all of these characters, the one that the ones that, stand out to me the most are Owen Wilson and Michael Clark Duncan because they have a very they have a really good relationship and on-screen chemistry in this movie they're constantly just making fun of whatever they're doing like during their training they're not paying attention like there's one uh, there's one part where they're being briefed by the other female character in the movie who's not Liv Tyler uh, I should find out her name actually do you mind uh, it's probably I'll, Jessica I'll look her up. it's Jessica Steen okay anyway uh, they're being taught by Jessica Steen, like what there's. I I think they're being they're being briefed on the uh, zero gravity pool or something. I don't remember. Oh, they're about to uh, ex like go into a room that they're gonna suck all the oxygen out of so they can experience a vacuum or something. And she's explaining all this, and Michael Clark Duncan and Owen Wilson are just talking about how hot she is, which like so they're clearly yeah. not paying attention. And like on the one hand. That's Michael Bay's particular brand of, you know, toxic masculinity com uh, <laughs> comedy. 
but on the other hand, also like he's kind of making fun of these people for being like they're already not paying attention. These are not good people to save the earth. And yeah. yet, and so like every single person in this movie has at least one. I mean, has at least one flaw, obviously. But like, it doesn't seem like Michael Bay likes any of these characters because not only do they have a flaw, but they're all portrayed in like a really bad light at certain points. It's not like, oh, he's flawed, but he can change. It's this dude's an idiot. And just like variations on that for almost everyone. Yeah. Honestly, I want to just quickly go back to the the joke, like uh, the joke, quote unquote, about like, like these guys literally like he's taking a scene with like the only like female character that that gets like a real role in this movie and she's like she's like teaching them right and then he reduces it to he he literally just has a scene of two guys commenting on how hot she is and like it doesn't lead to anything like these characters don't end up like really like enjoying any uh like love interest stuff with her i guess it's just a really offhanded comment to yeah. describe that this actress is hot and it's just and so guess... weird and kind of dumb but also it's the most michael bay thing i could see in a movie happening or one of and the what's most. also what's also interesting about that is not only does that not lead to any you know love interest between any of them they also don't really get reprimanded for it so like it is entirely pointless there's yeah. no reason for this except you know to put their characters out on display like i said yeah, and like I guess it's them. <laughs> like I don't know if it's real character like representation or like development. If it's literally the characters commenting that they find a woman attractive, um, but I guess it's his way of he, he seems to like that that style of this is how men bond. I guess I feel, I feel like to me that's not that's not necessarily character development per se, but what that is is it's putting on display that to their characters, they're about to go into space and, and potentially save the world. And if they fail on their mission, everyone on Earth dies. But it is more important to them to stare at the titties that are in front of them <laughs> rather than to like actually learn what they're doing. Yeah. So it's and not really character development. It's just more like, this is who these people are. They do not care. They are, they are the wrong people for the job, essentially. Yeah, that that might have been there for a reason, I guess. But then also there was, I, that was kind of the entire premise of the movie is that they are oil workers, oiled workers slash drillers sent to going to space. Like I don't think we needed more of that. But I mean, I I this is he he I I think this the also like the clash of the common man against like the government is is uh, very common for him, which is oddly confusing because he loves Michael Bay loves to really show the military and government like in an amazing uh surrealistic like a uh, point of view um that's why like in the Transformers movies he was paid a lot of money to essentially make joining the army look like the coolest thing ever by making the military look really badass yeah, I think that's why this movie is so fascinating to me is because it's really confusing who Michael Bay is rooting for, which yeah. I guess I've said in a bunch of different ways by this point. But like, you know, as you said, it's ob the premise of the movie is oil men going into space. We don't need anything else to know that they are the wrong people for the job. But like Michael Bay also seems to think that. However, 
he doesn't seem to think that the military is the right people are the right people for the job. And also, the moment they get into space and they start doing stuff, he just like has Bruce Willis say, "You know what? Why don't we just ignore them and do our own thing? We know what we're doing. They don't. They're the government. They're the president. They're everyone. Who cares?" So, like, it's not clear who Michael Bay even thinks is the good guys in this. Yeah. Well, it's just so cool how he's simultaneously able to take a, a, both an authoritarian and anti-authoritarian role as it like in the movie and also like ties them in so perfectly that you're like simultaneously cheering for both sides i guess i don't even know it's it's it blows my mind uh it's so i think like i mean i get the impression from this movie mostly based on the number of american flag backgrounds that are in all of these shots there's so many shots where just a bunch of characters are standing in front of an american flag Michael Bay really loves America. Um, <laughs> and, but like, I think that this movie sort of, in this movie, he kind of tells us what he thinks America means. Cause like, he, what am I trying to say here? So like, he has, cause the government, he, he has the government in a position of authority, but all of the people in the positions of authority are idiots or wrong. He doesn't necessarily tell the pre- say that the president is an idiot, but like the president is wrong, clearly. Mm-hmm. And then like instead, he's got our everyman, which are Bruce Willis and all of them. They're the ones that are the right people to save the day, uh, even though they're all idiots as well. <laughs> and like the only positive shots in this, like, well, not the only positive shots, but he has a lot of shots of just like rural America with like you know, a, a, a lot of like, there's a, there's a big, um, like a huge lawn with a big house, a white house in the middle that has like an American flag waving and there's a kid running in slow motion. He's got scenes like that all over the place. So you just see like all of these images of rural America of like, I think he's trying to tell us like, this is the real America. And it's, I feel like that's kind of revealing because uh, he picked for whatever reason, he's got these. He, he well, he's got these everyman as his uh, heroes, and clearly, what he's trying to say is that the American everyman is the ideal. That, well, what I think he's trying to say is the American everyman is the ideal that he's looking up to. However, he, not himself, being an an American everyman, has no idea what that entails. I don't think because he's got all like. His the closest he comes to being reverent for any of these people is like showing his showing these individual shots of extras in front of America typical like fifties American imagery. Yeah, um, and also the the uh, I I think it was interesting the the amount of because I I don't was this an interesting time for NASA and that they weren't how much how much space exploration was happening at the time. In 98? I'm not really yeah. sure. Was it a lot? I don't know, because this also very much felt like an ad for uh, NASA is something I really noticed, even though... Oh, uh, the International Space Station uh, had been built, I believe. I'm not 100% sure, but like they were pretty involved with the International Space Station at the time. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, did they? Was, is that what they boarded? That, oh, that is on, on orbit assembly began in 1998. So the International oh, Space okay. Station Never was mind. not actually created by this point. 
Yeah, oh, okay. they they had boarded a Russian space station. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, so and <laughs> I I don't know why. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I think it's funny to see like these oil dudes criticizing NASA, like for how they do their job and stuff like that. Um, like the scene in the when they were in like getting the the test done in the hospital was actually like kind of funny. Um, not gonna lie. Oh, that was just where everyone was getting interviewed, and they were all stupid yeah exactly and it's that's it frustrates me because it's such cheap humor but like i can't help but laugh sometimes like i i don't always understand why and but he's he's very good at that and i i honestly wish maybe like is pain and gain more like the second act of this movie well probably because i guess in pain and gain they didn't go to space uh i don't know pain and gain is another animal entirely i think because okay never mind um Pain and Gain is a lot more, it has a much smaller cast. So to some degree, it's focused on, it's It's much more focused on its four main characters. Yeah. Um, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, this is yeah. actually, it was a very big ensemble cast. Yeah. Technically, even though it doesn't really frame it like an ensemble cast, in my opinion, too well. Mm. So uh, yeah, and then the third act, the, or do, do you have anything else to say about the second act? Yeah, I'm not really, I, I don't know that I had very much to say about the second act, except my big rant. Is that, okay, cool. Yeah, I, I definitely say once this act ends, like, and they go into space, the movie, for me, really hits a, a, a bad spot. Um, it This is where it feels like Michael Bay is struggling so hard to keep this movie, like, together and on point, um, because the editing gets really sloppy. Honestly, his directing style is terrible for space. Um, especially realistic space scenes, which like a oh. lot of the sets are very close. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah. Uh, well, one thing I noticed, I guess, as just an aside, his space shuttles flew like jet planes. Yeah, that's not how space shuttles fly. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing not. Um, and like, it's just very odd, like, cause he has a very grand style, you know. So like, I would say the space scenes like outside were fine, like in space were fine, but Michael Bay's style in such a small claustrophobic area is just really bad. And I, I think he was trying to hide it with a, a ton of really bad cuts and like in editing that um, it, it was just like he was keeping it together with, with band-aids or tape or something like that. Cause it was very, some, some of these scenes were barely coherent and it was honestly, I, I honestly respect because it's like a miracle that he was able to make, these things have these have these scenes make any sense at all considering how many cuts there were yeah uh yeah well i don't know i didn't mind his scene where the russian space station explodes like i thought that worked out once it started exploding maybe that's maybe that's just what it is um yeah that was actually a decent scene it was a it's just more when they got onto the asteroid and the whole the whole drilling thing um it, it thought, was a little yeah. frustrating but it really, really slowed down there even though that's when the clock was ticking fastest yeah and then when they there's the scene where there's it's it feels like a climactic moment where they have to stop the government from blowing up the nuke before they drill the hole uh even like the president essentially gives the order to blow up the nuke and everyone just follows it even though everyone knows that it's the wrong choice which, was which like again kind of is just Michael scene. Bay saying, well, now the president is stupid and yeah. everyone else following him is an idiot. So it's weird that he has this 
he has this sort of anti-authoritarian stance while still like it, yeah like you said it's it's a weird like mix between an authoritarian and anti-authoritarian stance where like in this mo- in the language of the movie clearly the stance he's getting at is anti-authoritarian but like maybe anti-authoritarian nationalistic i'm not even sure how to describe this really cuz it's like he's got this he's he's very clear he's got this very clear reverence for something but like authority is not it apparently <laughs> yeah and i doubt we'll ever find out what that is uh, maybe which is unfortunate i i think but um yeah like it was pretty kind of sloppy through it there's yeah that there's that moment where uh, oh william fickner was in this movie i thought that was kind of cool but he he essentially out of nowhere just starts trusting bruce willis to he's like because there's this weird they're like what they they drilled 50 feet deep in in like a and they they only had like a few hours left and the projected time he was like oh we only have it's gonna take us 10 hours to drill 800 feet even though uh i guess he doesn't really understand how drilling works apparently because bruce willis is very like he's like i can easily get or he's like very certain he can get that hole done even though he hasn't drilled that much at that point well, um, what had happened too up to that point, uh, as Steve Buscemi says, is they landed on the wrong point of the asteroid because where they were, where they ended up drilling, was like an iron plate, where um, because that's metal. where they landed. Yeah. But what they had actually tried to land on was like something much much softer, so they could get there way quicker. Yeah. Um. So like that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And Steve Buscemi says this and goes, you know, you idiot. Because <laughs> that Steve Buscemi is really smart in this movie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he has two PhDs. He puts he he like says that right out the gate. He's like, dude, I got two PhDs. I think as he's coming home from the strip club or something. Yeah, yeah. Why why would he not be smart? Obviously. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So like that was a weird. It felt like the end of the movie, but then I looked and it was like thirty minutes left. Um. And then we uh, like eventually it kind of ends in this stereotypical way of uh, I guess we, we kind of spoiled a few things already. And does it matter anymore? Uh, was this a spoilers podcast? I guess oh, not, whoops. Yeah. I completely <laughs> yeah. forgot. Okay. I guess like if, if you're still with us, it's spoilers now. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, Bruce Willis dies. So like it, it felt like the stereotypical like oh, dad might never come back. Um, quite similar to Interstellar, actually, except not as good uh yeah and and, and then it interstellar it is way more confusing that's true actually See, that's the For thing better like, worth i can appreciate this movie because it, it's a space movie that didn't make me think at all so that was kind of nice where space movies usually you know like ad astra interstellar gravity they're they sometimes these very philosophical deep movies this was just fuck yeah let's go type movie put in space with astronauts uh yeah, like uh, I don't know. Well, do do you have any other thoughts about the movie in general? Yeah, I guess. Well, I've got a lot of other thoughts about the movie. Actually, I have two oh. more points I want to get to. All right, hit <laughs> me up then. I think the first thing is I wanted to ask, what plot points do you think Michael Bay thought were important in this movie? Because, gonna be honest, I don't think he thought that stopping the asteroid was that important. Like, clearly, that's the guiding thing of the movie. But it seems like such an afterthought all the time. Yeah, yeah. I it feels like 
because like okay i i notice he uh, he understands the fact that you need to you need to create a very human story behind such a crazy movie right you know like uh it's a common blockbuster thing i think uh marvel like or star wars was like um like one of the yeah. first to do it right whereas star you know, wars you, is a movie balance. about like it, it's got this huge galaxy that it's all about but like at its core it's about a family like it's about a it's about two kids and their dad fighting basically yeah exactly and it's like it's a very basic conflict just this <laughs> luke skywalker is doesn't know who his dad is he finds out his dad's bad wants to make his dad good again because he misses his dad you know and that that's truly what makes star wars special in my opinion because that's it has that emotional core and like technically michael bay is doing that you know you see that in a lot of his movies like for example his his refusal to make the transformers movies more about transformers and less about shia labeouf i think was very much relegated or uh was very much rooted in the in in the fact that he wanted to keep these as human human very human movies and sorry say that last part again so he wanted uh, to keep them as human movies and you thought that was reflected in transformers how uh well just him him refusing to like make like optimus prime for example the main character he kept it shia labeouf or mark Wahlberg for the franchise even though i don't think many people really cared about those characters and so like i understand what he's doing but i just i i i guess it's just i don't like his main characters ever and like the 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 plot lines for these characters are kind of dumb if that makes sense like ben affleck's like a cool protect like or one i guess he's not the protagonist but he's a cool character and he's he's relatable to the audience, but I just don't like him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. Just like his his scenes where he's uh, where he's with Liv Tyler just are too. Again, they're also very Michael Bay y. I don't know why. They're kind exactly. of between sappy and vapid. Like they seem really sweet, but not really for any other reason than that they are shot in such a way that it makes them seem really sweet. Like I don't care about either of these characters. They're barely people, as far as Michael Bay has described them. <laughs> like they, they're just in love, and they're shot in a way that makes them in love, and it looks like their chemistry is fine. So, like, therefore, this is a love story. Except, like, they're not that good of scenes. Yeah, it might have been the cheesy music, and like, <laughs> he he, he has he usually has these really weird soundtracks. But also, yeah, I don't know. It might have been because of the like i i just honestly i just kind of see like their whole love thing is like ben affleck's just like a young kid who's like really horny and he's he's having sex with the the main character's daughter and that makes him mad and he becomes the defensive dad which is like a common trope in non-space movies but i mean i i it just doesn't work for me because it's like it's like i guess ben affleck's character is is more is more of the Michael Bay stereotype where he's just, he just seems like this horny kid that seems to be surprisingly talented in some ways. And I, I guess it that's why these scenes don't feel that real. And same thing with Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler doesn't feel like a real character. She's like this um, kind of token, strong female character that doesn't, even though she's described as like an amazing, like a, uh, a very good and like independent character she doesn't end up getting any role in the movie and it's just much more of just a motivation for the main characters who are mm-hmm. men to do their thing 
So maybe that's and, why it feels fake too. I don't know. And yet, I think personally, I think that was the most. Um, I think that was the most important plot point for Michael Bay. Like, like I said, I don't think he cares about the Earth at all. I think that he's more invested <laughs> in this love story, which is not very good. But that's just like the movie that he's uh, that. That's the movie that he thinks he's making is this love story. Because again, as you said, he understands that he needs to make it a human story in order for people to relate to it. It's just that the human story he picked isn't very good. Yeah, well, he's just, he can't write humans. Just, he makes them all douchebags and, like, unlikable. I, I, he makes them all bros, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, but, and, like, they don't really, exp I guess also, like, they don't really experience much character development. Like, in this case, Ben Affleck, or I guess Ben Affleck isn't the one experienced the development. It's uh, Bruce, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis who, has one moment of character development, yeah. Who learns to kind of let, let go of his daughter, um that's like maybe it's because there was isn't enough focus on it because honestly like that's that's cool it's it's the same theme as interstellar in some ways where you know matthew mcconaughey has to go to space to save his 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 family specifically his daughter who he cares the most about because he wants to protect her but then I he has to because in the end has to oh. sacrifice his own life to end up saving her and even though his main goal was to get back to be with her again i think it's because the the outcome is obvious like obviously his character either experiences literally no character development in which case you have created a bad character or he learns to let go of his daughter the outcome is obvious there's the journey to get there is the interesting part and i feel like that journey isn't quite there yeah. like it is in its most basic basic elements and so that's why the character development feels sort of iffy for the one character who actually gets it yeah that, that's actually yeah that's a really good point i i think you're getting pretty close but then i i don't even know like it it feels like it part of it's yeah it's like michael bay doesn't understand how emotions work um do, do you think he cares like so like you said you said he it's like he wants to write about like this story more like this love story essentially or father daughter um i believe it, that's what you said right yeah, that's that's what I think his that's what I think it's to always. him is the most important plot point here. Yeah, but then it's just so weird that 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 aspect of it gets shoved to the side completely. I think. Yeah, I'm not it's in interesting. I'm I'm not sure. So I I mentioned earlier that Ben Affleck is a very script guy. Like his his movies, he focuses a lot on the script, and you can tell like he 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 talk he pays a lot of attention to the writing i don't think michael bay is the same i think michael bay focuses on something else not a hundred percent sure what it is but it's not the script uh and so that's what i'm thinking is like i think this story was more important to him because of the way that he shot it and the way that he made this look in like in the movie because those scenes uh those are the only scenes to the best well not the only scenes but they're some of the only scenes to the best of my knowledge, that have actual original music behind them and not something licensed. Uh, those scenes are shot in a very particular way that he, where it's very clear that he's trying to make this look romantic to you, uh, yeah. to the audience. And also, like, these characters are given 
I guess a lot of close-ups. Like it's very clear. Uh, I think that these are the most important. That this is the most important plot point to him, not because it's better than any other plot point, but because it's more deliberate. Like the way that he's shooting it and the way that he's like framing it is way more deliberate than anything else. Like everything else, it's just like, all right, this has to happen. Let's do this. And with these, it's like, oh no, we gotta. Like it, it feels like he's putting more care into how he makes these. See those scenes. Mm. Does that so, make sense? Sort of. I I can't help but feel it's like almost like shoved in personally. Like I mean, that's the thing though. Is as because an afterthought. I I don't get the fa- I don't get the thought that it's an afterthought. I kind of get the opposite thought where the rest of the movie is an afterthought because, or like the rest of the movie is a different movie maybe because like. I think he's very deliberate about how he wants to shoot these scenes. They just don't actually fit with the rest of the movie, which he either doesn't care about or cares about in a very different way. I get So like, are you saying like maybe his initial thought, like maybe he had this idea written down of just like, I want to, I want to create a story about a, a father trying to protect his daughter from, uh, from marrying this dude. Cause he wants better for her. And then, and then he he found this he got given this movie and he was like all right I'll just like insert this into this save the world plot and we'll have like a pretty decent emotional aspect to this uh, potentially blockbuster movie yeah okay. I was gonna I, say I you know. my my thought was more like he got he had the idea well he didn't have the idea because this was written by a, a team of nine people that oh weren't that didn't include him however oh but I'm thinking like. He had this movie and he was like, I want to make a movie about oil man, about every, not oil man, about the American average Joe going into space and saving the entire world. And then he also had an idea where he wanted to make a very simple love story. And he was like, well, let's put it all in one movie because I don't have enough for, I don't have enough of either of those for one movie. So let's make it, let's, you know, put them together. Yeah, I guess he didn't like care for cutting any any part of either of those ideas out either because it just made the movie really bloated yeah and again like obviously that's not exactly what was going through his head because this was written by a team of nine people and apparently they shot this in 16 weeks wow wait is uh, that, yeah that's like that's about average isn't it um maybe a little long okay maybe for shooting he says we had to do the whole movie in 16 weeks so i assume that when he says that he's talking about not just the shooting oh like maybe okay i see what you mean yeah so that's four months for potentially as much as pre post and production uh i doubt Uh, i i I also doubt doubt, no way yeah i doubt that it's actually quite that much but it's probably more than just 16 weeks for production. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be crazy. Honestly, if you put this movie together in four months, like I would be just insanely impressed because Oh yeah. Um that's that's I think um Suicide Squad had about no, it was given like three weeks of writing and then it shot over two or three months. So um, that movie was am- ass. So if I was to interpret this, like if I'm in, I'm, I'm looking at this quote now, the, the full quote so that people can't like say I'm interpreting it wrong without me at least giving them what the quote is. We had to do the whole movie in 16 weeks. It was a massive undertaking. It was not fair to the movie. I would redo the entire third act if I could. 
but the studio literally took the movie away from us. It was terrible. My visual effects supervisor had a nervous breakdown, so I had to be in charge of that. I called James Cameron and asked, what do you do when you're doing all the effects yourself? But the movie did fine. So if I am to interpret that quote, I would say pre-production was probably normal. Production and all of the post-production that Michael Bay had any hand in took place oh, in four months. Oh, okay, and, then cool. the, and then it got taken away from them. Okay, That's that what I'm interpreting sense. that Yeah, as. I could see that. Um, then, honestly, the VFX, it wasn't great. Maybe because it was probably because it was 98 too, though. But the some of the okay. shots of the comet were really gross to watch, like just bad to watch at. And it was com, it was kind of comical. Okay, uh, perfect that you brought that up because that's the last thing I want to talk about here. Cool. Uh, in his original review, Roger Ebert, who put this movie on his list of most hated films, said. <laughs> yeah. This movie is an assault on the eyes, the ears, the brain, common sense, and the human desire to be entertained. So, as we all know, Roger Ebert is one of the best-spoken critics, maybe, that we've ever gotten. Uh, But I bring that up specifically because I want to talk about the visuals of this movie. Because this movie has an extremely distinctive visual style. And, like, it's... It's a lot. It's a lot to take in. There's a lot to talk about. I feel like there's a lot to talk about in just this movie's visuals. Uh, I feel like you're normally the visuals guy, so I want to ask you about this first. So, like, what did you think of this movie's visuals? Um, I I didn't like... He, I don't know why, but he chooses this really washed-out look. Um, which And also, like, for the first bit, he seems to... At least maybe in the second act, I don't know, he seems to have this weird, like, maybe slightly yellow filter um, over it. I don't really know, but I just, I didn't like, especially coming into the third act. Because again, the, the editing was already like really bad. I can see why he would want to redo the third act because those visuals were all over the place. Um, but then, yeah, it was just excessively gray and or gray? boring. To, it, it felt gray to me um, or dark, or maybe it was overly dark. I'm not sure. I, again, it was space, but like, when I when I watched like um, this might not be a fair example, but when I when I watch like Interstellar or any like space movie, for example, I'm usually kind of dazzled by the spectacle of space. And this movie, like, because once they're on the asteroid, right, it looks it's just not a good set, if that makes sense. Um, and I again, I guess it's because it's an asteroid. Like, there's not much to do with it. But it just it didn't look good to me, and and also like the the like the Michael Bay's really well known for his like crane shots and stuff like that. He he he's able to create a lot of scale. Um, that's that's good, and it was it worked pretty well for the first part of this movie. But again, once you're kind of in the claustrophobic region of space, and it doesn't work as well as you'd like. And he he seemed to be struggling with wanting to move the camera around more. But he just simply couldn't because he the space he was restricted to was very limited. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I did note. Well, I also, I guess, I do want to point out that uh, Michael Bay did say he would redo the entire third act if he could, and yeah. that's the part that was the worst for the visuals. Yeah, that's where sure. it looked the. I don't know about gray necessarily, but that's where it looked the darkest for sure. It was dark. Maybe dull's a better word. I don't. Yeah. Know. Like. Yeah. It was just very, especially when combined with the 
the the kind of shitty special special effects. I think the set they had for when where they were chilling was just pretty bad. It didn't look believable mm-hmm. at all. Um, and then lastly, like the ah, oh, what where was I going with that? Like the the look of the the comet, I guess in general was just it was a bad. It was, oh, and the sound design too. It was so loud. So you have these like they have a dull 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 uh dull set to look at mixed with these insanely cutted scenes and extremely loud music and um and special and like just general like other sound mixing and it was just very overwhelming especially because this is like an hour of the movie like i didn't love that but again yeah. that's a, that's a very michael bay thing to do i i when when he's restricted in that style it actually works pretty well like again or not again, I haven't mentioned this yet, but the first Transformers, he's he's pretty well restricted there in terms of the scale. But once he gets going crazier, like uh, for example, the third acts of for me specifically, like Dark of like Transformers Dark of the Moon and uh especially Age of Extinction were were terrible and he 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 keeps like getting out of control and you can tell he, he almost gets lost with how much he's trying to do that it's just like ends up this heaping mess of doesn't like it doesn't really know what it's trying to be mm-hmm. and it's just like it so it kind of culminates into this loud clashing of the senses uh climax and this is kind of what this is amounted this amounted to in the third act as well yeah um yeah yeah i agree about the third act for sure but um, like what did you have any thoughts on the visuals well um Mostly from the first and the second act, because again, the third act, I gotta say, the third act, uh, I like I said, I agree with everything you said, and it kind of lost, it kind of lost me at a few points. Uh, I think um, for the first two acts of this movie, I had my phone in my room. For the third act, I had my phone next to me <laughs> on the couch. Yeah. So like, I was still paying attention, but like, clearly my attention was divided at that point. But in the first two acts, like, I noticed, I wanted to just mention. Um, you brought it. You brought it up earlier. His just the washed out, like contrast, completely overblown style that he has, where he's doing like one half a second shots too. It's it's all over the place, and he's like uh, he's really crazy with it. And I think that like I I guess I didn't fully understand your point before. I don't know if this is. What what were you saying earlier about when he's restrained in this style? What were you ma- what did you mean? Oh, well you know how um I I personally like I love I or I noticed in Michael Bay movies when he's trying to he he's like a master of scale, right? So mm-hmm. he's able to create these like insane crane shots. I mean, usually they're probably like CGI now, but these vast shots where the camera's like kind of moving at at a at a swift speed around an object to create like the the sense of how big this object is right or mm-hmm. for an epicness feeling he'll do a he'll do like a zoom he like the camera's low and then he, he he quickly moves it in and then up to the character for like a dramatic moment right yeah so he's a big fan of like these like exaggerated ca- uh camera movements and you can't really do that as much in my opinion inside a inside a small space because again to create scale right and to create these epic moments, these these things are usually outside. And like, like for example, like when he's highlighting like the size of Optimus Prime, for example, he needs a lot of space for the camera to move so that he can create that sense of awe for the for the characters. And that's like a part of his style. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Whereas when he's in, like, for example, that that Russian space station, um, it's not as possible to do it because he's restricted to like these hallways, for example, where mm -hmm. uh, I remember this one shot. I think it's around where the thing is blowing up. I think it's Ben Affleck is looking up and he's like he's like calling to one of the other characters and he's yelling at them. And it's like this crazy zoom up through the through one of the corridors. And it feels so weird because, again, it's like such a cramped space. And it's like you can see like he's trying to make that feel like an epic moment. But honestly, it didn't to me because it like there's no sense of scale to that moment because it's, yeah. it's really small. It's a small moment. So like preferably he would have used more intimate, intimate cinematography to match that. But mm -hmm. uh, he 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 doesn't prefer that kind of style. So. Does he do very many of those epic moments in this movie at all? Like even before that, like I didn't notice very many. Um, I don't think so. Like, pro uh, probably not because they, I guess there wasn't much to give a feeling of epicness to. Because I, I, re I remember one sweeping shot where Ben Affleck is hanging out with Liv Tyler. Like I remember that one sweep, but beyond that, like it's mostly either. I guess big shots where a lot is happening for one second because he never does a shot that's more than one and a half seconds, I guess. Yeah. Or like close-ups. And like a lot of them, a lot of Dutch angles, like a lot of weird angles. Uh -huh. um, and mostly I just noticed how overblown the colors were. Because like this movie is really colorful in a way that is completely unnatural. Um, Sorry, the, the colors? Yeah, I noticed the colors in this movie a lot because, like, there's a lot of blues and a lot of oranges, which would set the tone for... I don't know if this movie is exactly what did it, but if you'll notice uh, anything after this movie, like, trailers are very uh, blue and orange-focused. They're, they're good contrasting colors, but, like, this movie really uh, showed that off a lot. But, like, all of his shots, the contrast is so blown out that, like... Um, there's some spots where I think it's even William Fichtner is the guy in my, uh, in my mind right now. His skin looks almost completely pale white just because of how much the saturation is blown out on everything. So like he'll be sitting in just a room and the entire room is like a deep blue and his skin is almost like black and white white. <laughs> Uh, I I I don't think I know I like I noticed something was off, but I guess I didn't look too closely at stuff like that. That's um, one extreme example that I remember that honestly may not have even happened, but I noticed that he blows out the saturation and the contrast so much that like it does create like even beyond how he shoots his how he shoots stuff, just the way that he put the saturation and the contrast already creates such a weird visual style that i think so that i feel like i've seen so many times before but i actually never have quite this way uh yeah i like the the filters the filters. specifically or like in okay yeah like the i do notice it in uh like i did i remember noticing that in age of ultron personally um yeah, that was okay. a really hard movie to watch for me you could tell there were some movies that were or some parts of the movie that were very orange and some were very blue um, I don't know. I think it's a psychological thing and it's very highly like sought out. It's a very highly sought after um, style and blockbuster making. Um, I think it's kind of going out of style right now. Either way, I don't notice it as much anymore. But to be honest, thank God. 
Yeah, I, I, I really hate filters. They make, they make me, uh, I don't know. They kind of give me a headache. But uh, yeah, like the that stuff like that. It, it, do, you, do you think that's like a cheap trick to use, or um, it's just like as a style, you know? No, not really, because I didn't get the I didn't get the impression that it was necessarily helping the movie in any way. It gave it a very distinct style, which to me made it fascinating. But like, it didn't make me want to watch the movie more or less just seeing it. Yeah, okay, that's fair. So like, is it a cheap trick? I don't know what it's accomplishing if it is. Yeah. I don't I'm not sure actually. I don't I I, I really want to do should do some more research into that cuz there's, there's there must be a reason why uh like he he specifically was doing that cuz it it doesn't feel necessary unless he just liked the look of it. Maybe he's just like, "Oh, that looks kind of cool." And he stuck with I it. I guess it does it does draw your attention within those shots. I don't necessarily I'd have to watch it again to see if it's drawing your attention to anything specific, but like it definitely is another way of directing your attention. That's true, yeah. And it, it might make like some of these more slow scenes slightly more visually interesting. So it like, doesn't affect the pacing as much. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure. But yeah, uh, do you have any others? Or Oh, that's it. That's, that's it. The... I've, uh, I've squeezed <laughs> out everything I need from this movie. Right, it sounds good. What would you say? Um, like, let's, let's, uh, would you recommend this movie? What do you think? I would say yes um i didn't love it but like this feels like kind of like a fun movie to just kind of relax and watch um and maybe not pay your full attention to because i th i think it at if you're paying full attention to it it's actually kind of a, a bad movie to watch um just because it's like over 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 blows your all your senses um especially because of the length and like the third act stuff but it's an enjoyable movie and it's in terms of as a movie fan, it's really cool to see Michael Bay's style in a non-Transformers movie, personally, because yeah. I haven't really seen many of his other movies. But it's cool how he he's able to take these that he was able to take these things in smaller movies and then proceed to carry them over to like these massive franchises and how that style has evolved. Because mm -hmm. um, I I used to think like oh my Michael Bay like. He made it. He got. He got Transformers, and then he changed, or something like that. And he and he tried to, tried to make more subtle stuff before. But like a lot of the stuff in this movie is very, very reminiscent of like Transformers, like the characters and the humor, especially. Yeah. Um. So I mean, like, it's it's cool to see how consistent he is, and mm -hmm. it's it's uh fascinating to watch his style, uh, progress. So yeah, I I recommend it, and I. And maybe give it like a five out of ten. Like it's enjoyable, uh, not great. Probably I might watch it again actually, like if I'm bored or something. And I like have seen out some other Michael Bay movies, but uh, yeah, five out of ten. What about you? So I, I have one other question to ask after this, but I'm gonna say for me, it's also a definite recommend. I think uh, I I basically agree with what you just said. You probably don't need your full attention to watch this movie, but like. I found this movie fascinating on a lot of levels. Like this is, uh, it's, it's really interesting to watch with your full attention. If you decide to do so, it's a fun movie to watch without it. If you do, if you decide not to, cause like this is, 
I guess I mentioned this, um, bringing this back to Rain Over Me. I mentioned this in Rain Over Me. Like, there's a type of movie that just sort of played on TV when no one was watching. And I feel like Armageddon is that kind of movie, but in a very different way from Rain Over Me. Because in Rain Over Me, like, it's not that interesting. It's a throwaway movie. This movie is really entertaining. Like, this is a movie that you would watch. Like, if you're watching it in the background, you're gonna you're gonna look on the TV every now and then to see what the heck's going on because there's a lot happening. But it doesn't necessarily need your full attention. If you do decide to give this your full attention, I think this movie says a lot about who Michael Bay is as a person, and maybe not everything. But I think it's really interesting to see who he thinks the heroes are, who he thinks the heroes aren't, and I guess more importantly, how he think like how these how the people he thinks are the heroes and how the people he thinks the heroes aren't or aren't the heroes interact with each other and how they're characterized and like which cartoon character he decides to assign to them. And so like and also just visually I think this is a very I want to say it's a very 90s movie. Like, that's how it looks. I don't even think that's an accurate description. I just have no other way to describe the visual style of it, which feels like something I've seen a lot of times, but I really don't think I have. So I just thought, I found this movie fascinating on almost every level. And like, it's not, it's not you know, fantastic. Like, the, the story isn't great. The characters aren't great. I can't, in good conscience call this a really good movie but i definitely would recommend it like i'm gonna call it i'm gonna say a six out of ten like i think this is a better than average movie for sure all right cool nice uh, what was the question okay. we were asked one last question okay i think i highlighted it i did not uh here we go um despite a mixed critical reception a dvd edition of armageddon was released by the criterion collection a specialist film distributor of primary art house film of primarily art house films that markets what it considers to be important classic and contemporary films and cinema at its finest. I'm not going to continue that quote because I don't think it matters. But why do you think like my question is why would the Criterion Collection release this movie? Why do you think? And is there an answer to this? I don't think it matters. But like we started with basically this question, and I want to try and get to the bottom of it. What do you think is good or important about this movie? Oh, God. How, how many movies had Michael Bay directed before this? Before this? I'm going to say... Uh, I, I put it away. Uh, I think it was five. Like, this is not anywhere close to his first, first movie. Damn, okay. I was going to say something along those lines, but... Uh, if I had to guess i it was two it was two it was two um i think this this movie like you said it's a 90s movie like it just feels very much out of its time i mean a a sim symbolizes its time you know it's uh it's it's a it's a blockbuster movie that that was done before before like the the franchisism in hollywood existed um i think it has <laughs> Damn, I'm really I think it honestly like has like a pretty memorable plot in terms of how stupid it is. Um, and it I think because I've seen I saw I haven't seen The Rock. Have you seen The Rock? I've not by Michael Bay. Um, I haven't seen I have seen Bad Boys. And while while like it was a 
it was definitely a Michael Bay movie. This, I think Armageddon is what truly like cemented his style, if that makes sense. Because when I saw Bad Boys, I was like, I saw a couple hints towards like the Michael Bay we know now. Whereas Armageddon was like, this is the Michael Bay I know of yes. today, right? And like that, I guess that style of filmmaking, um, of, of creating this grand scale and stuff like that, um, was was pretty was pretty big for the time especially because again like i don't think this movie necessarily had a lot going for it but he was able to create quite the interesting movie based on his on his specific style and it's something that even though it's not viewed very favorably in hollywood you can't deny it has affected it in many ways and michael bay has had a big impact on hollywood in general so um and i would say it seems like armageddon is the movie that ended up making like the ended up being the birth of Michael Bay. So that's my guess personally. Yeah. I mean, I think that is a lot of what I would say as well. Uh, I think Armageddon. um, Yeah. Just his directing style and the way that he edits shots and the way that he shoots everything, just everything about this movie, except for the writing, which he was not involved in is, quintessentially Michael Bay. I feel like I would have to see Bad Boys 2 to see, like, if that style was fully cemented right afterwards. But, like, everything I know of Michael Bay, Transformers, Pain and Gain, uh, other Transformers movies, it it's this movie, but, like, done in a different way with a few different elements. So I really do think that this is, like, this is not necessarily peak Michael Bay, but this is where we really get Michael Bay's style, as you already said. And like, it's, it's where it cements that. And I think that this movie, I mean, this was a recommend from me too. I think that this movie, like he did a lot of things right, or at the very least, like a lot of things. I don't know if that's the right, the right word, but that's the only word I can think of. He did a lot of things right that like make this movie work even though it probably shouldn't because it's one of the dumbest scripts I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. I, it's again, I'm still kind of in awe of it. Also a quick, quick, quick mention is it might, maybe it has something to do with Ben Affleck too. Cause this is, I think his first really big role. I think he was aside from, aside from, aside from goodwill hunting, but like um, this was his introduction to like, I guess, blockbuster movies. Uh, I want to say maybe, but I um, like, I don't think that's the reason, but it like might've helped the movie in that aspect as well. It can't hurt. He was, a, he'd been an, an active actor for at least 10 years before this, mm-hmm. but a lot of it was indie movies or child star roles. So like that, I, I think you, I think you might be onto something there. So I don't know if that's necessarily yeah. the reason, but it certainly doesn't hurt. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's an, oh my that's an interesting fact though, but this anyway. was an incredibly long episode for a movie that i mean i think this movie deserves it but i don't think anyone would have expected this coming into the armageddon episode yeah one of our longest episodes i'd say um well. and Ride you know what we still have one thing we got to do we got to spin the wheel we got to figure out what we're talking about next time all right let's see you ready for this yeah here it goes here's a wheel spinning sound
landed on something by Nicholas Winding Refn. Wow, I don't know who that is, but he's the guy who directed. I'm I'm probably gonna say the movie that we're about to watch. Actually, he's the guy that directed Drive. Oh, uh, with who is it? Ryan Gosling. Ryan say? Gosling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sick. I have heard a lot about that movie, and isn't that what put Ryan got what put Ryan Gosling on the map too? I think. Um, at least in some degree, yeah. Okay, now we have cool. a lot of options here. Do we want to talk about Drive or do we want to talk about literally anything else? He's got a bunch of other movies. Are they good movies? I don't know. I've never heard of any of these, but I think it might be interesting to talk about one that he both wrote and directed. Oh, sure. Why not? Uh, all right. Next time we're going to talk about Valhalla Rising. Cool. See you then. <laughs> yeah, see you then. This is exciting. I've never heard of this movie.